Hold on, hot mic. I got a hot mic here. Okay. Ready. I'm fucking ready. Right. Oh my God. Yes. Ooh. Here we go. Let's talk about books and three, two, one. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about our March Books on the Radar. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share books releasing in March that we're the most excited about. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media, or both. It truly helps connect us with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? Um, I'm doing good. Good morning, I I should say. Sometimes we record at night, and today we're recording in the morning. I know. It's an early bird special. We've got our coffee. Well, mm-hmm. I do anyway. My giant iced coffee that takes up like <laughs> half the screen. <laughs> oh, I've had a bunch of coffee and mm-hmm. I'm ready to talk about books. I, I do have a quick question for you to start. Yeah, what's up? What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? We're, we're recording the day after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was fun. And the halftime show was fun. And I'm curious oh, about the your favorite. Show was amazing. Oh, the halftime show was great. I loved everything about the halftime show. Mm-hmm. Mary J turned oh. out. They were all so good. Everybody was so good. I loved it so much. Commercials wise, I was like, wow, there was a ton of electric cars, cryptocurrency. That was like everything. And like, I was like, I want the fun commercials. Like, I want the <laughs> like, you know, easy breezy potato chip commercials or like, uh-huh. I didn't see any that I that jumped out as like, oh, that was really cute. Or like, that was fun. Do you have one? Well, I mean, I didn't watch The Sopranos, but I did love that commercial. I do. Yes. That's still on my to, yeah. to be watched list. I loved the commercial with Scarlett Johansson and her husband with If Alexa mm-hmm. Could Read Your Mind. I thought that was so funny and creative. Yeah. That was probably that was my cute. favorite. That was a cute one. Yeah, I liked The Sopranos one too. I never watched the show, but I was like, oh my gosh, as soon as you heard that music, I'm like, oh, I, I know what this is. And like, yeah. they were not showing her face full on at first. I'm like, is that Lady Gaga? <laughs> like, Why would she be in this music? I'm like, I don't know, kind of Italian. And then I figured out, I think it was the actress from the, the TV show. Right, right. Mistaken. It was. It was very cinematic, just like the TV mm-hmm. show. I mean, my husband watched it. So I've seen the beginning of it you know, oh, right. tons mm-hmm. of times. So, wow, they did such a good job with yeah, the- there was There was a lot. There was a lot of like highly produced ones. Mm-hmm. The game itself was so fun to watch, but the ending sucked for me. Uh, <laughs> really right. Was, well, not that yes. I like super cared either way, but I was like, man, like I was really hoping for the Bengals to pull it out, but well, yeah. We, I mean, I'm, it was I'm, a good game, I, though. I'm not into football at all, but of course, yeah. you know, I'm in Ohio. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see the bang. Oh, that's right. The Bengals mm-hmm. win. I assumed that they would. How? I mean, did you assume oh, that? I did assume that. I mean, they. It oh. was the last minute of the game, right? Oh, right. When you were I watching, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I assumed they would win. It's really fun to watch with John and his. We had his family over and his brother and his dad, and they're just so such big football fans, like yelling at the TV and like me and my mom are just sitting there, like, oh. <laughs> like we don't really know what's going on, but like it's just it's fun to like watch and like watch them get all excited and explain like why that was a bad call and everything. Oh yeah, I don't get into that. I was looking at books for today, and you know Nicely. it was kind of it was kind of in you know I was kind of paying attention on the side. But yeah. not something that I was riveted by. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That, ch- that tracks. Okay. Well, speaking of, I mean, we have books to get into, but what have you been mm-hmm. loving lately? Okay. Well, my loving lately I'm wearing right now, believe oh. it or not. Okay. A, okay. So my loving lately is Stitch Fix. Have you ever heard of Stitch Fix? Yes. Wait, Stitch Fix. Isn't that the where like the clothing mm-hmm. box or box subscri- subscription or something? Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So... All right. So I've been on the hunt for a really good pair of jeans. Like I discovered I was, you know, pregnant in 2019 and then we were in the pandemic for years and I like didn't wear jeans for a really long time. So (laughs) I have ones that I liked. I was always big into the old Navy jeans, but I'm like, I need something updated. I need something better. So I've been on the hunt for a good pair of jeans. And I finally was like, you know what? I remember I used to have Stitch Fix years ago. I'm like, let me try this again. Because what I really like about it is that they send clothes to your house. And I 
hate shopping. I hate shopping. Going to the store mm-hmm. makes me bonkers. So this was like a really nice way. I'm like, okay, let me try this out. So basically, it is an online personal styling service and it sends a monthly box of clothes to your home. And you don't need a subscription. So you don't need to like subscribe every month or whatever. Oh, okay. And they send you five pieces. And what they do, you go to their website and take this style quiz and a stylist picks out five pieces that they think you'll like based on your preference based on what you want. Like they ask you about your style, your fit. They ask you like, do you like this piece? Do you like this piece? And you can put in specific requests. Like in mine, I said I wanted flattering but updated and comfortable jeans. And they definitely delivered. And you can also choose your price range and let them know what you like colors-wise and what you do not like at all and what accessories you might like to have sent. And it's you pay a $20 styling fee for each box that you get because that covers your stylist's, you know, time and expertise. But if you buy anything from that shipment, that $20 goes towards your purchase. Oh, and so the box comes. I think I waited like a week or so. And you try everything on and keep what you like. And you have three days to send back anything you don't. And if you keep everything, it's like a 25% discount. And that's how they get you. Because oh, like, I'm like, yeah. oh man, it's hard to like look that because I like really loved four of my pieces. The fifth one, I was like, this is nice, but like, do I need this? Probably not. But it was cheaper to buy them all mm-hmm. than like to return the one. And I was like, all right, fair enough. But overall, I love, love, love this process. And I really do enjoy every piece they sent to me. And I feel like that never happens when I pick out clothes for myself. I'm already looking forward to next month. It's also kind of like a little fun perk. And you're like, you know, it's a little present to yourself. Like I said, you don't have to commit to getting one every month, but I'll grab a few more boxes, I think, just to see and, you know, Mm -hmm. update my closet a little bit. And I actually am going to share in our show notes my referral link in case anybody wants to try it out. You get a $25 credit. I get $25 as well. If you have any questions, chat me up. I would definitely be happy to to chat about the process because I really enjoyed it. I think this was like my ninth box ever. Oh, really? I I didn't. You've been keeping that to yourself. I didn't well, this was I, years ago. Like, I'm oh, talking okay. five years ago. Okay. I probably did it. And then I just stopped for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, I feel like I have enough pieces. However, I still have over half of what I got from them the original time. I still wear it, some of those oh. pieces, which I think says something, right? It's right. Not, I'm trying to work on investing in better quality clothes versus like buying, oh, Old Navy's having a, you know, 50% mm-hmm. off sale. Let me stock up on whatever, you know stuff they have. I almost said crap, but <laughs> it's not crap. <laughs> it's just fast fashion. And I want right. to have like pieces that last a little longer. So right. anyway, this is Stitch Fix. Do they send you a shipping label that you, mm-hmm. so you don't have to pay to ship things back? Exactly. No, okay. you don't have to pay to ship it back. They send you a bag that you can just kind of like fold over or drop it in the mailbox and it goes back. They also have it for men as well as babies, which I'm like, okay, don't oh. get me started. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Intrigued. This was not on my radar at all, but you have me thinking. I mean, I've I've definitely heard of them before, but Mm -hmm. there's something very odd and kind of sad going on at our malls. And that is my favorite stores have left. And so I I can't remember the last time I bought any clothes because Mm -hmm. I need, I usually think I need to try things on. I mean, the fact that you got jeans that actually fit is amazing. Two pairs. Two? Two pairs. Oh, my God. Two. One is a skinny jean. And then I told the stylist, I don't want only skinny jeans. I want to, like, try and update. And she sent me, like, a like a boot cut. And I'm like, I'm not going to wear a boot cut. Like, who do I think I am? I try them on. <laughs> so flattering. I'm like, oh, my God. I, like, these are so flattering. I can't believe it. Like, I was, in, I was like, showing wow. John everything. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I like this one. So, really fun. Um, that would be worth it just for the jeans. Really, truly. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Truly. And and I thought, I'm like, I ordered the wrong size. These are not going to fit. Both of them fit. I'm like, all right, this is witchcraft or something. Everything fits so well. And I'm like, huh. So the brand is not like the clothing brands exist in the world. Like my jeans right. are cut from the cloth denim and whatever. They're not like the Stitch Fix brand, although I think they have some of their own stuff. But so it's basically kind of like a Nordstrom where you can get a ton of different mm-hmm. brands. And I think they're actually owned by Nordstrom, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway. Okay. Give that it a shot. Is, I've been enjoying the heck out of that it. That is a great loving lately. All right. What do you have for us? This week, mine is a little different. I'm bringing to you a mantra that I made up. Oh my God, <laughs> Wait, you made but this up? I made it up. I don't think, oh I mean, I tried, I tried looking for hashtag. I didn't find it anywhere. So I'm thinking I made it up. It just came to me. So I'm, I'm going with it. It's a mantra that I say to myself, stop the scroll and. Okay. 
So stay with me. This came to me. I was kind of inspired after I listened to a recent episode of the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes, but it was titled Stop Doing These Things on Instagram in 2022. And I listened to what she had to say. And one of her suggestions was, you don't have to scroll. You can stop doing that. And it was, I mean, I heard that and I was like, wait a minute. And then I started thinking, how much time am I actually spending scrolling? What am I looking for? Because I'll get into this in book talk. I have had so much trouble with reading and with finding books. And I started to think, is there a link between the fact that I'm spending so much time on my phone scrolling when I could be doing other things? And I thought, what if I just stop scrolling and read, stop scrolling and took a walk, stop scrolling and cleaned the house, anything. Yeah. I I haven't been consistently working out. I haven't been, I used to like to journal. I haven't been doing that. And I started thinking, but I'm spending all this time on my phone, which we need to do. I enjoy Instagram. I do enjoy Instagram. I enjoy connecting with people and talking with people. But what I'm talking about is the scroll. Is the the mindless, Mm -hmm. the inevitably that tends to lead into 20 minutes to 30 minutes. And all of a sudden an hour has gone by. Yeah. And I could have been taking a walk. I could have been, you know, finding a book. And I don't know. I just, this concept really hit me. And I just Mm -hmm. started saying to myself, I'm going to stop scrolling and whatever else, fill in the blank. And I told you I was going to stay off Instagram this past weekend. And I really did. I wanted to see how I felt by doing other things when I felt like picking my phone up and just kind of for no reason. And I really enjoyed the break. And so what this tells me is I can still jump on and I can still interact and I can still see what people are reading. I don't need to spend hours scrolling. I really don't. I was able to get other things done in that time. It's just something I'm going to be conscious of moving forward. So I don't know if anyone feels inspired to stop the scroll and (laughs) uh, let me know what you, let me know how it works for you. I'm, I'm curious, send me a message or an email, but that's what I've been loving lately. I love this. That's a really good point. I do that a lot in the mornings where I'm like scrolling, scrolling, whatever, where I could have just like gotten up and actually like done something, whatever it is, you know, because mm-hmm. then I feel like, oh gosh, Lily's awake. I got to run out of bed. Now my day starts, go, go, go. Whereas like you just spent, I don't know, 30 minutes lying right. there scrolling, looking at nothing. Do you feel like you were more productive or got more things done? Oh, I definitely got more things done. I won't, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I, I got more reading done and that's another issue we'll talk about in book talk, but I definitely got other things done. I mean, I worked out, I started a new journal which I love to buy journals. And then I don't end up writing in them. And so I actually did. It was the little things. It was, I watched a little TV, but all of that added up to where I was very Mm -hmm. aware that I was taking a break from being on my phone constantly and scrolling. Not that I will stay off Instagram at all, but that I'm going to be more mindful about that. And I do scroll Twitter sometimes, but really I end up getting kind of bored with with Twitter. So my main issue is Instagram, but I don't want to stop seeing what people are like my, my friends and my trusted sources are Mm -hmm. posting, but I just don't need to spend hours doing it. Right. My thing is I would love to see what my friends are posting, but Instagram makes it impossible. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's somebody you don't follow. Did you want to look at their stuff? Well, no, I don't. Like, Show me who I do follow. Lots of reels, lots of ads. Like my feed has been so terrible lately and it's like bumming me out. So I feel like I need to maybe like somehow take a more targeted approach. Like, how do I just look at the people that I follow? Or or not that I have to follow them, but like, I want to see thoughts on books. I don't want to see reels have their place, but Mm -hmm. like, I want to see more discussion. That's why I'm there is to like have this discussion about different books. So exactly. I'm curious. I'm curious. Maybe having like a set time, like, all right, you can play around on Instagram. Like maybe if you're doing, I don't know, like for me, if I'm commuting, I'll have an audio book on and then maybe I'll be on my phone Mm -hmm. scrolling Instagram because I'm like, okay, I'm on the train anyways. But I like this concept a lot. Well, yeah, it's just creating a mindfulness, I guess, about it. And for me, it it really helped to say, okay, stop scrolling 
put it down, stop scrolling, and go do something else. Do something. Do something else, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be like productive, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, organize my closet. No. No, no. no. Go talk to your husband or go walk your dog or whatever. Have lunch, you know, something. It's just getting yourself out of the mindless mindset. You're exactly right because I um, made an effort to, you know, put my phone down. Because sometimes when we're both watching TV, we'll both pick up our phone. and, Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I felt better, like, just focus, just watch TV. It's fine. You don't have to also be oh, I can't do on your phone. My brain forces me. I literally cannot. It's like almost painful to sit and do one thing. Like truly. It's wow. ADD is what it is. Okay. Yeah. But it's okay because I'm I'm pretty my brain's pretty good at splitting attention mm-hmm. and like I can focus on multiple things. But it maybe that's I don't know, not a good thing. But it's just well, kind of how you know, I work. you have to know yourself. And you yes, know, I'll get yes. into this later. I was starting to notice that I was struggling and and cool being challenged in different places and um, especially with with reading. And so I know I I needed to do something mm-hmm. different. So I'll Go tell ahead. you about that later. Okay. Well, tell me about it. First, let me yes. tell you about our la- my latest read. Okay. This was a very big hit for me. So my latest read is The Love Hypothesis by Allie oh. Hazelwood. That's right. I brought wow. a romance. Oh. <laughs> and okay. So here's why. Because in last week's episode, we, I think we said, or I said, I don't read romance a lot and I kind mm-hmm. of don't get, get gravitated toward it and it doesn't attract me. And I kind of felt bad about that. I felt bad. I, I think I said I need romance with something a little different. And I'm like, you know what? I'm making broad statements about a, an entire genre that like maybe doesn't need to be said. So I think though, I am pickier about romantic stories and I can't have them too saccharine or too cheesy or maybe too predictable. But I grabbed this one because my library hold came in, and I have heard people rave about it. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And this is the author's debut, and it's a contemporary romance about a fake relationship between a professor and a PhD candidate. And it sounds like that could be a conflict, but they're almost the same age. It's really not—that's not the crux of the story. But you have Olive Smith, and her life experiences have led her to be very skeptical about lasting romances— And her best friend loves love and has a big crush on someone that Olive went on a few dates with. But An is a good friend and doesn't believe Olive when she says, no, no, go for it. I don't care. I won't mind. An's like, no, you've already dated him. I would never do that. So Olive decides, hey, we're scientists. What do we like more than data? I'm going to prove to An that I'm over this ex by kissing somebody. And so she kind of panics, comes up with this plan and kisses the first man she sees which you just have to go with. Okay. And the first man she sees, they're at school. They're, you know, PhD candidates, so they're always in the lab. The first guy she sees is Adam Carlson. He is a young hotshot professor and a notorious jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And she kind of, like, explains why she did this. And they have a couple of little jokes here and there about, like, Title IX and, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I hope that was okay. And he turns out to have reasons of his own for wanting a fake girlfriend. So he agrees to keep up the charade of this fake relationship. And things take off from there. You kind of have to go with it. Do not read the synopsis on this one and think that's how the rest of the book is going to be. In my view, the synopsis was kind of cheesy and full of science puns, which, yes, this book has a little bit of that to it, but it's also depth. There's depth Mm -hmm. to it. There's a lot more than just like the fake dating and the cheesy characters. I would say trust in the 4.41 rating with 294,000 reviews. That is a lot. Yeah. And this book came out last year. But I thought this was so good. The author herself has a PhD and says she writes about what she knows. So I really felt the science piece and the, you know, being a student was very authentic I loved women in STEM in this book, and I work at a university, and I got my doctorate too, so I really, really resonated with the scenes in the lab. They're doing research. They're presenting at conferences. There's this flex. Dr. Carlson is staying at the conference hotel where the conference is being held, and I was like, oh, that is a flex. You just, you know, you have to be like high up and well off to be able to like stay in the conference hotel. (laughs) So a lot of fun little Easter eggs like that. I loved all the friendships in this book and that Olive gets this really rich backstory There's something in here that I discovered called, well, there's a trope that I discovered called the grumpy sunshine trope, which I actually think makes sense for me. You have one character who's grumpy and one that's like so sunshiny. She kind of pulls, he or she kind of pulls it out of the other character. I liked it. 
I also like fake dating when it makes sense with the rest of the plot. Also, I felt like the characters were in on the joke because they kept acknowledging like, oh, fake dating is a trope. And they were, you know, talking about that. This one does have a slower buildup, but that's all I'll say. I don't want to give anything away. I don't want you to know how it ends. But I thought this was so nerdy and so cute. And I will definitely try this author again. I think something we wondered about last week is whether or not it's a spoiler to know if a book has a happily ever after. Mm, Well, I still think it's true that it kind of is a spoiler. I don't mind that. It's more about the journey. It's more about how these two people end up together or maybe don't end up Mm -hmm. together. And that's what makes a fun reading experience. But overall, I highly recommend this book. It is The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Oh, good. I'm glad you branched out of your comfort zone and had a success. I will talk about this, too, in our book talk about avoiding a book slump. This was one way for me to do it. Okay, good. All right. Well, my latest read is Greenwich Park by Catherine Faulkner. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about it. All right. This is a debut psychological thriller set in a wealthy London neighborhood. And I listened to this. I need to say that right off because I'm going to talk about why I had some issues with that later. This was British narration, an excellent narration, really, really good. So the story centers on three couples, plus another woman who's entered the mix. You have Rory and Serena, Helen and Daniel, and Charlie and Katie. Rory and Charlie are Helen's brothers. So that's the initial character setup. And then you have Rachel, and she is the extra woman. So the story starts with Helen's idyllic life. And that changes one day when she attends her first prenatal class and meets Rachel, an unpredictable single mother-to-be. And it's very interesting because Rachel is not at all maternal. She smokes, she drinks, she professes little interest in parenthood, but yet Helen is drawn to her. And actually, I was too. I mean, she was very off-putting. And the way that the story starts, as soon as Rachel comes into the picture, I, I felt like there's something up with this girl. She's really odd, but also I'm very interested in her. So the structure of the story is that there's something happening. It goes by Helen's pregnancy weeks. So every chapter, when it's Helen's perspective, is like 26 weeks and 20. And so little by little, you know there's something going on because the perspectives shift from Helen to Katie, to Serena, and then there's also unnamed characters. And then there's also some shifts back in time to 10 years before. And little by little by little, you realize that there are many secrets, but you're just not quite sure what's going on. And this one is really hard to talk about because what pulls you in is a look into these unlikable characters' lives, because really they were all pretty much unlikable, except for Katie. Helen, I was hot and cold on because sometimes she she was very naive. Rachel was a character you love to hate. What I really, really liked was the deliberate ways the author layered suspicions around so many people. I like that there were subplots throughout the story. So for example, Katie was a journalist and she was covering a high profile rape trial. And it becomes clear that that particular trial is very triggering for several of the characters, but you don't know why. I like the way this story felt like an intricate puzzle. Most of the time it felt like an intricate puzzle, but that's where a few of my issues also come in. Because as the story goes on, it started to feel like there was a bit too much, too many details of too many subplots combined with the shifting perspectives and the fact that I was listening made me feel confused at times. So if I wasn't paying attention, because these were cliffhanger chapter endings, so if I wasn't paying attention to who started the next chapter, then I would be listening and thinking, I I felt like I kept having to catch up, like mentally catch up. Yeah, like, wait, who did what? Right, because I'm always doing something else when I'm listening to audio. So for that reason, I felt confused sometimes, and then it kind of made me frustrated. That's why I think I'm going to say I think print would be the way to go with this. I bet that if I was reading this, I would not have had those same problems. 
So for anyone interested in print or or audio, I would say start with the print. And overall, I really liked the story. I, I really enjoyed it. I think there's a fine line between twisty narrative structures with unlikable characters. And maybe towards the end, that line was pushed too much for me. Yeah, But mm-hmm. I do think if you are looking for a twisty puzzle, because this, I didn't have it figured out. I had no idea what was going on. And I, I enjoy that. If you enjoy that, I think you would like this. If you don't like feeling kind of lost and confused and you're not ready to take that journey, then hold off on this one. But I think I really enjoyed it for the most part. I do recommend that sensitive readers look up a few reviews because there's probably going to be some content that's upsetting. And I don't want to mention that for spoiler reasons. So that was Greenwich Park by Catherine Faulkner. Okay, good. I had this on my radar. It has a beautiful cover. Oh, yeah. The cover's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a green book with the mm-hmm. ivy wall and it's a brownstone. So I was very curious. I'm glad you vetted that one for us. Yes. I think that this is getting some buzz. I do. I think it's it deserves it. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. All right. Well, you want to get into book talk? Yeah. So what are we, we're talking today about how to avoid or what happens to us to keep us from going into a book slump when we mm-hmm. feel it coming on. So these are strategies and what do we do personally when we suspect that we're getting into a reading slump? Exactly. And they don't happen often for me. But when they do, it's upsetting. (laughs) It's very upsetting because I feel like we read so often. That's our thing. Even before the podcast, like Mm -hmm. it was just a part of our natural everyday. So when you can't find something that works, you start to question yourself, or at least I start to question myself. I'm like, and then I can't tell, is this book bad? Would I like it otherwise? Or am I just in a slump? I I don't know. I think my experience over the last 10 to 14 days has inspired Mm -hmm. this book talk because we usually read for topics. And Mm -hmm. that's usually a great thing for me to pick books because I know I'm, I'm reading for something specific. And we've had a little bit of a break with, you know, after the pop culture and before this episode where I could read whatever I wanted because I really only needed a latest read and I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And I was, and then I was thinking, what am I in the mood for? And This is also one of the cons, I think, with mood reading, because I thought I was in the mood for, you know, a fast-paced thriller. And then I would try to read 20 or 30 pages and then say, well, I don't like this story. (laughs) And so that's what I'm, that's my experience when that keeps happening again and again and again, I start to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to find anything to read again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you okay, go that right. do you go that close to being, you know, panicky almost about what am I gonna yeah. read? Mm-hmm. It's so it's like I used to do that either way. Like now we have like almost a deadline because we're trying to read before we record, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's it is I think that is a reason to panic. <laughs> Not panic, right. but like that makes <laughs> sense why you would be like, wait a minute, you know, I, I have a time crunch here. But I kind of work better on a time crunch too sometimes. Like if I know like we're gonna be recording a certain episode, it's been helping me narrow that focus. Cause I think you're right. When you're mood reading and you're just like, I can read anything. I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. I need guidance. Like I need something. Cause like right. there are so many books that we want to read. It can be almost overwhelming. You have too many options. And again, what a champagne problem, but we all have that with the library. And I think, you know, listening to book podcasts like mm-hmm. these, we get more and more recommendations and it's like, how do we figure this out? So my last book slump was right around the holidays, which I think is pretty typical for a lot of people. And I'll tell you a couple of ways that I've combated this. And when I was over the holidays, what I did was took to Instagram and I said, listen, I can't find anything. (laughs) I've started so many books. Somebody give me a thriller that made you say WTF. That's what I want. Go. And somebody did. And it Mm -hmm. worked. And it actually was a really, really good twisty thriller. Totally kicked me out of my slump. So that was a perfect way to do it. So I would say, see if you can crowdsource and get a recommendation. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, I was starting and stopping a few books. I don't know if I was in a slump, but I was like, I can't find something. I can't land on something. So I thought, let me just go for one that's super highly rated and just Mm -hmm. see how it goes. Because I feel like if it has a lot of ratings and there's a pretty high 
star count or whatever. I'm like, all right, chances are this many people aren't wrong, right? Like, let me try it and see okay. if it works. And so, so you go to Goodreads for I, that? Yep, I went to Goodreads for that. Okay. That's how I found the love hypothesis. And oh, it came in, too, okay. at the same time. Actually, I had had it a week before, and I, I finally picked it up because I was like, you know what? This one's so highly rated. Like, let's see what the fuss is about. And that really worked for me. Okay. One of my strategies is usually to read a bunch of samples, which I, I had said that I send a bunch. Anything I see, either at the library, if I don't grab it at the library, but even if I do grab something at the library, which is another strategy, is just to go and pick up something off the shelf at the library just based on the cover, I will still send a sample to my Kindle always because that's how I prefer to read is uh, is on my Kindle. So I have all these samples plus I have advanced copies. So I went mm-hmm. through both and just said, okay, I'm going to read 20 or 30 pages. And usually that works for me. This time it didn't because nothing stuck. So then I decided, like you said, I decided to to go out and see what everyone else was really, really loving. That's where I think Instagram and or Bookstagram overwhelmed me a little bit. I was like scrolling, scrolling. And you know, sometimes you tend to see the same things. And so I was trying a lot of those books, but they weren't working. So I ended up going to our Facebook group and reading what everybody was reading. And Greenwich Park was one of the ones that was mentioned. And that hadn't even been on my radar. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try that one. And that was the one that ended up sticking. So I do think like if there's too many books coming into your into your mind and your radar then figure out one place that you could go to find a book that you've never heard of or a book that everybody else is loving maybe another way that i try to avoid it in the first place is by having multiple books going at all times pretty much and i'm not saying like 5 <laughs> i'm saying like 2 <laughs> 3 sometimes it'll get up to 4 but usually 2 or 3 and the reason i like this I actually hate starting new books. I know that sounds so counterintuitive, but it's hard for me to start new books because I'm like, okay, who's the characters? What am I doing here? Unless I'm hooked right away, it takes me a minute to get settled. Mm-hmm. So if you have multiple books going, then you're only getting into like one book at a time and you already have some that you're familiar with. That makes sense. Yeah. And I don't usually do that. Yeah. I like so that I can a lot. see that that might have been and a good one. Specifically different formats. So right now, as we're recording, I have a nonfiction book going. I have a, f- a print book that I only have in print. And then I have one that I have the print and the e-copy for. So I kind of have these three. Oh, okay. They're totally different genres. There's a romance, there's like a dystopian, and then there's, like I said, nonfiction. So totally different. But I'm now in enough of them to where it's like, okay, I can always pick something up depending on what format I have handy. I love reading mm-hmm. a physical book, especially if I'm like, okay, like like on Saturday, I just sat there. I was like, all right, I'm going to read. I mean, it was great. It was nice to just sit there and go boop, 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 kind of flipping the pages. But yeah, I also say too, have a nonfiction in the, in the mix if you're trying to avoid a book slump, just because if it's a nonfiction, those usually take me a lot longer to read. But they're nice to dial in if I'm just working or if I'm mm-hmm. driving or I have, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, let's see what's happening. Because you don't really have to reorient yourself to the plot. There's not a huge plot typically. It's just, you know, informative or whatever, eye-opening. So those are some of the strategies right. that I use. That's a great idea. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try the multiple. Take them to the bank strategy. Babe. It <laughs> I know. It doesn't usually I'm usually like, oh, I can I I have one book that that I want to find that one book that I can look forward to reading later, you know, and and just be so into the story that I think I can't keep other stories straight. And sometimes it happens. One will pull away. One will be like, okay, mm-hmm. now I'm I'm literally not going to be able to put this down. <laughs> so I'm going to, con- that's how I was with the love hypothesis. Baby, you couldn't pull that out of my hands. I was like everywhere reading that book <laughs> on the train. I was like getting my hair done reading that book. So yeah, sometimes one will pull away, but then I still have others in the back burner that I'm halfway through or a third of the way through when I then pick up a new book. You know, it's kind of a okay. revolving Yeah, that door. makes complete sense. Yeah. All right. Well, well those are a few strategies. And the good news is my reading slump was avoided. Yes. I, I did not get into a slump, which that's a whole different, uh, you know, that's another book talk mm-hmm. on how to get out. But I, but those are, those are some ways to avoid getting into one. All right. Well, let's share our March books on the radar. I have. Yeah, I'm excited. Honestly. 
I have to say, March was not as explosive of a month as I think I've gotten used to from January and February. Those two months were chock Mm -hmm. full. March, I'm like, okay, there's a few. There's definitely a few that I'm like, yep, I'm interested in this. Ones that I certainly want to read. But I'm like, it felt like it was, there was fewer for me. I don't know. Do you have that? Oh, really? Okay. No, I I had quite a few. I had to narrow, I had to narrow down. And and because I had several that I, I thought these all sound good to me and they're a variety. Which I thought that might be that might be good for me because of where I've been in my reading life and maybe for others. So I tried to bring a little a little bit of something for each. Okay, mine are not category that variety with mine. I think three of the four have a dead body in them. (laughs) So okay, well, hey, that's what you're in the mood. We are who we are. (laughs) So with that, let me open up. My first book is Like a Sister by Kelly Garrett. This one's out on March Mm -hmm. eighth. This one's a thriller about a controversial Black reality TV star, Desiree Pierce. She is found dead in the Bronx, and the police are quick to chalk it up to an overdose, and everybody believes that to be true, except for her estranged half-sister, Lena. Lena is a graduate student at Columbia who has spent the last decade forging her own path, trying to be far from the spotlight, But when she hears what happened to her sister, she can't ignore the facts. Things are not adding up for her. And even though their relationship was in tatters and they haven't spoken in years, she's like, this is not my sister. This is she. This is not something she would have done. She not would have she would have not been in this area. Their father, Mel, is a wealthy and influential hip hop mogul who has his own share of problems. And it sounds like he was part of the catalyst for their not getting along. So Lena becomes determined to find justice for her sister, even if it means untangling her family's darkest secrets or ending up dead herself. And this one sounds like a twisty mystery, maybe a murder mystery, and I can't wait to read it. I am going to do the audio for sure because it's narrated by Bonnie Turpin, and this one's got a beautiful cover. I'm pretty pumped about it. This is Like a Sister by Kelly Garrett. Okay, yes. Can't go wrong with Bonnie Turpin. Mm -mm. Can't. You can't. No. That's a given. Okay. My first book also comes out March 1st. It's The Night Shift by Alex Finley, mm-hmm. and it's a mystery thriller. I did not read his last book, Every Last Fear, but this one sounds exactly like something I'm going to like. It's about small town murders set 15 years apart and the ties that bind them. So this is set around the time of New Year's Eve, 1999. Right before Y2K is expected, planes are supposed to be falling from the sky, elevators plunging to the earth, world markets collapsing, a digital apocalypse. And as we know, none of that happens. But at a blockbuster video in New Jersey, four teenagers working late at night are attacked. Only one inexplicably survives. So the police quickly identify a suspect who flees and is never seen again. 15 years later, more teenage employees are attacked at an ice cream store in the same town. And again, only one makes it out alive. So in the aftermath of the latest crime, three lives intersect. So you have the lone survivor from the Blockbuster Massacre, who's forced to relive the horrors of her tragedy, the brother of the fugitive accused, and an FBI agent. And they all have to delve into the secrets. There's memories that come up from years ago. And somehow these murders are connected. I don't know. I can't wait to find out how. Mm -hmm. This is billed as twisty, poignant, and redemptive, and obviously a mystery, maybe a dual mystery, and I did grab a a blurb because I still I still find I still like finding some good blurbs. Samantha Downing blurbed this mm. and said it's a fast paced, page turning slam dunk of a thriller. And that was The Night Shift by Alex Finley. Yes, and it sounds like there might be an aspect of no cell phones in this one. It sounds like the if we get a lot of the past mm-hmm. yet, which would be good, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that would be. And I mean, Blockbuster, What that's a blast from the past. I actually like that setting. I know. I do, too. I'm wondering how much we get, you know, from each time period. I hope we get a lot mm-hmm. from the past. But either way, this this sounds really good. And I can handle two. These are, you know, two time frames. I've, that feels good to me. Right. Anything more than that, though. Come on. Get out of here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly. Next for me is The World Cannot Give. This one's by Tara Isabella Burton, and it comes out on March 8th. 
I am super excited for this one because I loved her debut novel, Social Creature. That book was dark. And so I'm like, okay, this woman knows how to write dark characters and twisty female relationships. And they're billing this one as the girls meets Fight Club, which I'm like, excuse me, tell me more. How do those two intersect? This is a coming-of-age novel about queer desire, religious zealotry, and the hunger for transcendence among devoted members of a cultic chapel choir in a prestigious Maine boarding school. How about all those (laughs) descriptor words? Wow. Okay. (laughs) What you have is shy and sensitive Laura Stearns, and she comes to St. Dustin's Academy in Maine. It's a boarding school. And she has been dreaming about this her whole life because she read a book when she was a kid written by somebody who's said to be like the guru for this type of boarding school. And she soon falls in love with the intensity and she finds sisterhood among the insular members of the school's chapel choir, which is presided over by the charismatic, neurotic overachiever Virginia Strauss. Virginia is as fanatical about her newfound Christian faith as she is about the miles she runs every morning before dawn. She expects nothing short of perfection for herself and from the girls in the choir. Virginia kind of takes Laura under her wing, gets her into the world of transcendent music and ritual, and they do cliff diving, and there's midnight crypt visits. It all sounds very, like, dark and noir. What's that word? Gothic. It's all kind of that, you know, boarding school feel. And then a new school chaplain challenges Virginia's hold on the family she's created, and Virginia's efforts to wield her power become increasingly dangerous. And Laura has to decide how far she's letting her devotion to Virginia go. Honestly, I'm trusting in the author on this one (laughs) because I'm like, what are we talking about here? I don't know. sounds like there's like this, you know, older woman running the choir. Laura gets sucked into it and there's twists and turns. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just go with it. I just got approved for a galley of it. So I'm very excited. I'm going to give this a shot. The author does friendship, complicated female relationships super well. So I'm like, all right, I think this one has a lot of potential. It is The World Cannot Give by Tara Isabella Burton, and it comes out on March 8th. Okay, good. You know, sometimes when you read synopsis like that, you know it's either going to go really well or it could fall off a cliff. I I was like, I had (laughs) trouble reading it. It had a lot of descriptors, a lot of, I'm like, huh, okay, where are we going here? But hopefully it's good. All right. I know. Hope so for you. All right. My next book, you just made me think that this is also sounds like it's about complicated female friendships. It's a novel obsession by Caitlin Barash. It comes out March 15th and it's a debut novel. And this is this is a most anticipated book of 2022 that BuzzFeed picked, The Millions, Goodreads, Book Riot, and there was some more. My, okay. So that got my attention. And it's set in New York City in the world of publishing a little bit. So this is about 24-year-old bookseller and New Yorker Naomi Ackerman, and she's desperate to write a novel, but she can't find the right story to tell. Also, she's had a few disastrous Tinder dates, but then... She meets Caleb, and he he's a nice guy. She really likes him, and she decides that this could be an inspiration. She could write about love, and then Caleb's ex-girlfriend, Rosemary, enters the picture, and what Naomi finds out is that Rosemary does not live overseas, as she first thought, but she lives in New York City, and she works in the literary world, mm. so she starts stalking her on Instagram. What it sounds like to me is she ends up meeting her in a seemingly coincidental way that's not at all coincidental. And they develop a full-blown friendship that continues under false pretenses. And Naomi can't seem to get herself to quit Rosemary, who obviously, I'm assuming, does not know that Naomi is with Caleb. And so there's a little bit of a twisty web that develops. But what Naomi also does is she starts writing a novel based on Rosemary and Rosemary's life and what Rosemary tells her in their friendship. And so that ends up spiraling, as you know it's going to do. And Naomi starts manipulating everyone in order to pursue her craft of writing the perfect novel. So ultimately, she's forced to decide who and what she's willing to sacrifice 
to write them all the perfect ending. And I love, I I don't know, this could go really, really well or really bad, but Kirkus gave this a starred review and called it a dread-laden psychological thriller that was smart, jarring, and funny. So that was A Novel Obsession by Caitlin Brash, and it comes out March 15th. Literally, give me it right now. I want it. (laughs) I want to read it. Guess what? I have a copy of it. Oh my God, that sounds so freaking good. I can't believe I didn't hear about this one. I bet I've seen the cover. Yes, it's a pink. What's it called? A novel what? A novel obsession. Yeah, very good cover. This has a lot of a lot of my favorite elements in it. I really hope it works. Oh my god, this cover is gorge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Requesting now. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, okay. See, that's part of the fun of recording these. I get Renee to personally hand sell books to me before right both else. of us. Well, I'm. I know, but like we've said before, I was so tempted. I wanted to just take a peek at any early reviews for any of these, mm-hmm. but I did not. No, I same. didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't do it because I just want to, they sound good. I want to read them without any thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. Well, this one actually, I'm like, okay, there's something specific in this synopsis. And like Renee is going to, perhaps her ears will be pricked at this. Oh, okay. So my next book is Ocean State by Stuart Onan. It comes out on March 15th. This is a novel set in 2009 in a working-class town in Rhode Island. It's about sisters, mothers, and daughters, and the terrible things we'll do for love. This is a story about a love triangle gone wrong. Hello. Hello. (laughs) You got me. So right in the opening line, we learn that a high school student was murdered. And we find out who did it in the very first sentence. And the story is told from the perspective of the murderer, her younger sister, her mother, and the victim. And it sounds like it plays with time a little bit. But basically, these two women or these two girls fall in love with the same teenage boy. And as you do when you're a teen, it's frantic, it's single-minded, it's obsessive, and they're both driven to extremes in order to pursue their love for this particular teenager. And it gets to places they never could have imagined. And their mother has kind of issues of her own. She is 40-something. She is divorced. And they say that her talent is finding new boyfriends and new places for she and the girls to live. So it sounds like it's a little bit gritty. It's character-driven and a heartbreaking story with no right answers. I absolutely love stories that begin with the end. You know how it's going to turn out. And then it works backwards to figure out, okay, how did everything devolve? How did it get there? And it sounds like the girl's the murderer's younger sister is going to play a huge role in all of this. She Mm -hmm. sounds like she's like the voice of reason or kind of like the omniscient narrator figuring out what's going on. So I'm very curious to try this one out. This is a very uh, seasoned author. He has a lot of books out. So hopefully this one's really nice. It's Ocean State by Stuart Onan. Okay. Never heard of it. But yes, I I have a big star by that in my notes that I need to get a copy of that or put it on my holds mm-hmm. list because yeah you you definitely got me with love triangle but also I love heartbreaking endings with no like right. clear with I don't know what you said you said no heartbreaking right endings with no right answers yes I love that I was like I all that. right this one sounds like it could work okay good one all right my next one is the cartographers by Peng Shepard comes out March fifteenth this is in the fantasy genre. But what really caught my eye was in the description, it's being called a speculative thriller. So I really like the idea of that. I did not read the book of M, which was his previous book, but I, and now I kind of want to after reading this synopsis, and this is about maps and what is the purpose of a map? It is about a young woman who discovers that a strange map in her deceased father's belongings holds an incredible, deadly secret. So you have Nell Young, and her passion is cartography. And her father was a legend in the field and Nell's hero. But she hasn't seen or spoken to him ever since he cruelly fired her and destroyed her reputation after an argument over an old, cheap gas station highway map which sounds so specific. (laughs) So then he is found dead in his office at the New York Public Library. And from then, Nell can't resist investigating. To her surprise, she soon discovers that the map that she finds, which she thought was worthless, 
is incredibly valuable. And there are others that want to get a hold of that map. So that's where the thrilling aspect comes in is what it sounds like. But the question she starts to wonder is, why do they want it? So it makes me think, what does that map lead to? Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this this concept of a map. So Nell embarks on a dangerous journey to reveal not only a dark family secret, but the true power that lies in the map. So this is said for fans of V.E. Schwab, and I, I've read one of her books and really liked it. So um, I'm going to give this a try. It's The Cartographer's by Peng Shepherd. The Book of X has been on my list for years because I think it's dystopian. Not years. I think the it book came of M. Out not that long ago, but yeah. Oh, it's the Book oh. of M. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Book of M. The Book of M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that one has been on okay. my list. Okay, I've definitely heard of that. I don't know that there was something about this, and maybe it's also like the mood I've been in. But I, but I thought I've never read a book about where a map was such a big part of the story. So why not try it? Yeah, it sounds like it could be good. Okay. I'll report back. Okay, thank you. What's next for you? (laughs) All right, next for me (laughs) is Disorientation. And this is by Elaine Shea Chow. And it comes out on March 22nd. And this is a debut. It is about Ingrid Yang. She is a PhD student who has been in her program for far too long. And she is desperate to finish her dissertation. And it's on the late Chinese-American poet named Chow Wen Chow. She is not particularly interested in this subject anymore, but was persuaded by her advisor to continue, so she's begrudgingly going forward. So when she accidentally stumbles upon a strange and curious note in the Chow archives, she convinces herself it's her ticket out of academic hell. Ingrid gets in much deeper than she expected. Her clumsy exploits to unravel the note's message lead to an explosive discovery. And this discovery is said to upend her entire life and the lives of those around her. So I'm like, what could she have possibly found in these archives? So she takes with her her trusty friends, Eunice Kim and Vivian Vo. That is their rival. She's hot on their tail. And together they set off on a roller coaster of mishaps and misadventures from campus protests and over-the-counter drug hallucinations to book burnings and a movement that stinks of yellow peril propaganda. And so basically, in the aftermath, when all is said and done, Ingrid does not recognize herself, and she's engaged to this guy, Stephen. And she's like, I don't know that I want to be who I have been uh, up until this entire point. This is said to be satirical, alive with sharp edges, but very warm with a cast of unforgettable characters. It is a call out of white supremacy in academia and a profound reckoning of individual complicity and unspoken rage. I'm like, all right. It's also Ooh, supposed to be okay, funny. That's a, yeah, the that's cover is dope. It's That's what caught my eye. This cover is really, really good. So I'm excited to try it out. It's a debut, which again, we love debuts. Mm-hmm. This one's we do. Disorientation by Elaine Shea Chow. Okay, good. Wow. I can't wait to hear like what your thoughts know, are on that. It could be like, I mean, I hope it works awesome. for you. Like it could be one of those mm-hmm. books that just really speaks to me or it could be one that I'm like, huh? <laughs> What's happening? But we'll have to see. (laughs) Right. We never know. All right. My last book is The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. It comes out March 29th, and it's historical fiction. I have not read Kate Quinn. I have no reason I need to. She is an author that I definitely want to read Mm -hmm. this year. And this one sounds so good. This is set in Russia, in Kiev, in the beginning. So you have a, a bookish history student named Mila And she organizes her life around her library job and her five-year-old son. But then Hitler invades Russia, which sends her on a different path. She has already had some training as a sniper or in sniping. And so she's given a, a rifle and sent to join the fight. And she becomes a deadly sniper, a lethal hunter of Nazis known as Lady Death. I will say this is based on a true story. I didn't even realize that till I got to the very end of this, which blows my mind. So when news of her 300th kill makes her a national heroine, she finds herself going to America on a goodwill tour. And there, in the glittering world of Washington, D.C., she ends up striking up a friendship with First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. And then even an even more unexpected connection happens with a fellow sniper 
And it sounds like just when there's a possibility of happiness for her, because I'm wondering, I have no idea, but I'm wondering if something must have happened to her son because it's being alluded to that she doesn't have happiness. So there's a possibility of that. However, an old enemy from her past also resurfaces, and then she finds herself battling her own demons as well as whoever resurfaced from her past. I love this little snippet I found that said that Kate Quinn humanizes Mila by showing how she and the unexpected sniper friendship that she has with someone else uh, uses humor and a healthy amount of vodka to cope with their risk-taking. Like I said, it's based on a true story. It's described as a haunting novel of desperation and of a mother's journey to becoming a soldier and finding her place in the world. And that was The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. I read her book, The Huntress, and it was really good. I have that on my bookshelf, on like actual print copy of that. Yeah, that and I haven't really read good. it. She, I love when they tie in real life characters and like base a whole fictional yeah. story around them. So that sounds that good. Sounds so good. I know. It sounds really good. Right. So we actually have a slight change to our book on the radar format. Since we are not giving you shelf editions in these episodes, since this entire episode is basically a shelf edition, (laughs) we thought we would wrap these up with our current reads. So Renee, what's your current read? Okay. my, My current read is The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck, which is Oprah's book of the month pick for this month. And that is how it got on my radar. I'm listening to this one. I love the narration so far. Martha Beck narrates it herself. It's nonfiction, obviously, and I'm so into it. I'm reading it or listening to it in bits and pieces, which is working for me. Obviously, who knows? We're hoping, like, I'm hoping this works out, but, you know, if it does, either way, um, and I finish it, it'll be a latest read at some point. But I really, really like it. It's about what she means by integrity, which isn't necessarily what we think it is, but about reaching a point in your life and being out of alignment Mm. in many, many ways. It's kind of the gist of it. So I hope it works out. So far, so good. Are you listening to that Yeah, I'm listening to that. And Martha, yeah, Martha Beck narrates. Um, I am going to buy a copy. Either way, so far, I'm only about an hour and a half into the audio, but I feel so good about it that um, I am going to buy a print copy of this Mm -hmm. so that I can highlight. Nice. Okay. So my current read is In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. And again, I'm in my little romantic comedy. Oh, yeah. Stage? Stage. Mood? You're You're in that mood. I'm in the mood for it. Exactly. And so Kate Spencer is the host of the podcast Forever 35, which I love and I've been listening to for years. So I was very excited when I saw she was coming out with a fiction debut. This one also comes out in March, actually, on the 15th. And so far, I'm really, really digging it. I'm about halfway through, and it's about Franny Doyle. And it opens with Franny having the worst day of her life. She has just been laid off, and she's freaking out because she lives in Manhattan. How is she going to pay for her rent? Like, this was a career she thought she wanted. And then, to make matters worse, her dress gets caught in the door of the subway and rips. And she shows her whole butt, basically, (laughs) to these people. Oh, no. And so she, though, meets this man named Hot Suit, or that's his nickname. His real name is Hayes, and he offers her his coat jacket, his suit jacket. And it's Gucci. So this is like not a normal, like, okay, what a nice gesture. Like, this is a big deal. And he's like, don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. It's fine. So she's like, all right, well, I'll never see him again. No, no problem. Let's rebuild. But someone catches this interaction on their phones, videos it, and then this, they go viral. So they basically get invited to talk on a talk show and things go from there. And it turns out the universe is finding ways to put them together again and again. So I'm very curious to see like, all right, how's this going to work here? And I would say this is actually another Sunshine Grumpy book. She's pretty upbeat and positive and he's kind of this like very type A, very buttoned up, you know, finance guy. And so it's so far, it's it's a cute relationship. And it's also a love letter to New York City. Like there's a lot of New York oh, City yeah. and locations and views built into this. So so far it's really good. It's in a New York minute by Kate Spencer. Okay. Well, let's hope these work out for yes, us. You'll find out. You might hear about them on a latest read or a future episode. Exactly. Okay. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. 
Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us at patreon.com slash etc. for $5 a month and you get access to everything bonus that we've done so far. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to etc. at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at etc. on Instagram, Tina at etc. and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Oh, shit. I'm on record. Don't put that in the episode, John. <laughs> <laughs>